Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Let me get this straight. Are we on episode 15? We're almost of age. To drive. <laughs> to drive. There we go. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, oh. We are 15, so we can have a quinceanera, but not quite a sweet 16 yet. You know, the number actually doesn't matter to these people because we made our first five episodes unavailable. We sure did because they were doo-doo. Because they're not great. We're just little little podcast babies then. Yeah, we had one mic. And we like huddled together in a van. In a van. <laughs> in a very hot van. Yep. And <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> we talked to each other for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> How far really, we have come. It's really weird that neither of us were like, hey, let's not do this. No, no, do in the van. Yeah. The van, Trust me. Van's better for it's sure. More isolated. So we'll just meet in the parking lot of your school, get in my van. So, <laughs> like, you are an idiot. You well, I also been... knew you for three <laughs> years that. before that yeah. point. Did we ever tell the story of how we met on this podcast? I don't think we ever have. So I was looking for a call girl on Craigslist, as you do, right, and yeah. Kaylee's name popped up. And I was like, okay, she's cheap, so I'll do it. Right. And little, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Little did I know that this man would turn into my podcasting buddy and, yeah. you know, friendly acquaintance at most. And now we're here in front of a microphone and we both have chlamydia. Yeah. So it's me. Hello. Kaylee, I gotta do the intro. Um, hey Kaylee, I'm Jeremy. Hey Jeremy. Oh, oh, I remembered something. Good. <laughs> so Stephanie was upset with us because Stephanie's your younger sister. For the viewers unacquainted, she was very upset because our last episode aired on Halloween and we didn't pick spooky names for each other to introduce ourselves with. So we I didn't. feel like we should do that this time to like make up for it. So you're, <laughs> Jeremummy. <laughs> you're creepily. 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 Oh, that sounds gross. I'm Haley. Haley. Ah. You just gotta say it weird and yeah. then it sounds scary. Yeah, creep, creepily. <clears throat> what in the fuck was that? <laughs> I had to clear my throat when I was trying to make Kaylee it. Haley lifted her face directly <laughs> to the ceiling so that her throat was bulging from her neck and then she she went. <laughs> There's no way that solved any affliction. It definitely feeling. did. I had phlegm and now it's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now it's on my ceiling as you launched it up. <laughs> That's my train of thought for a minute. So I was on Twitter the day after Halloween. <laughs> There's this whole trend of people giving out fucking weird ass items on Halloween. I think millennials are at the age. And you know what we do? You know what we do, Jeremy? Talk about millennials? Yeah. We give, them, we give them hot dogs. That's disgusting and disrespectful. <laughs> I would be very content with a hot dog. So... Would you like to take a guess at some of the other wacky things uh, people gave out on Halloween? Um, I'm going to guess Pepto-Bismol. Uh, no. Some of my favorites were chicken wings. They also gave out packages of ramen, Play-Doh, uh, soap samples, which is kind of gross. Uh, hygienic. What if they eat the soap sample? What do they and think? then they, oh, they deserve to die. That's true. Sorry. That's evolution working. And then there was potatoes, just okay. raw whole potatoes, and the Constitution. Ugh. I've gotten Bibles before, trick-or-treating. Would you be more upset about getting a constitution than a Bible? 
I'd be kind of bummed out. So I came here for candy. And you're peddling your really old documents. We're young and we have the internet now. We don't need your damn books anymore. Yeah, send me a a hyperlink, Grandpa. Screw you, Beverly. Keep your (laughs) Bibles to yourself. I don't want your Bill of Rights, Dale. If it's not in Hamilton, I don't want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap it to me. (laughs) All right, so it's not Halloween anymore, Kaylee. Snap out of it. Yep. It's time to give thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now left Spook City and are entering Turkey Town. That's right. It's November, which means it's the time when we get ready for Thanksgiving. What's that? It's November? Oh, you mean that month before Christmas? <laughs> yeah. this It's a very peaceful segue between Halloween and Christmas. And then all of a sudden it's like eggnog. Fuck yeah, eggnog. Eggnog is so really? gross. I mean, I would never drink eggnog in August. But December, yeah. hell yeah. Maybe even January if I'm feeling reminiscent. Mm-hmm. This used to be my absolute favorite time of the year mm-hmm. because you get like four holidays in a row. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Yep. And then nothing. It was pretty bomb. Now I realize I, I hate the cold so much and I hate yeah. snow. I like the rain, but I don't like cold rain. Would you rather it be very hot rain? Yes. That would hurt. I love hot rain. It's I, I'm talking like melt your hair hot. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know what happened? Okay, so I bought, <laughs> speaking of melting my hair, yeah. no, uh, speaking of rain, I, I bought like uh, this denim jacket and uh, I really like it. And I've had it for probably less than a month. Yesterday was the first time I ever wore it out in the rain. And maybe they spray something on it when it's in the stores to keep it from getting dirty or something. But uh, I got rained on in it, literally ran out from my car to the campus building mm-hmm. at school. You know, it got damp. It stunk to high heaven like <laughs> like dog food. Dog? Like, like dog, something dog related. And I just took my coat off as I walked into class. And it was a pretty small class, so it was a lot of like empty room. So I just put my coat, balled it up, and like put it at the end of the table, five feet away from me. Mm-hmm. And I could st- and I could it. still kind of smell it. I was like, "Fuck, everyone's gonna think it's me." Ugh. And it is kind of, but you're, it was my coat. You're the dog man now. I'm the dog man. Speaking of that class, also my religious philosophy class. There's seven p- students in my class. Seven. That's so little. There's not one day when everyone is there at once. Yeah. One time it was just me and another kid in that class. He had to oh, lecture to that's us. So weird. It was so uncomfortable. Yeah, that has to be kind of depressing. Because, like, I want to be a professor. It's one of my life paths if my life ends up going that way. If I were a professor and I put all of this work into preparing this course and there was only two people, I would be a little upset. I'd be like, oh, God. But then again, you only have to print off like two exams. You only have to grade two exams. There's parts of it that are probably awesome. But ultimately, you want like a... Like, I want people to be interested in what I'm interested in. Right. I don't know if you're like this or if it's just like a nerdy person thing but like i'll be in class you know there's like people like oh, i don't understand this or like i was in my organic chemistry class and this doesn't make any sense to me and i'm like i know exactly what that is and i just want to explain it to them so badly i want them to understand and i want them to understand because of me <laughs> specifically like obviously with things i like like genetics and chemistry and biology right. and woo stuff like that it's like right. i just I want to help you so badly. I think it goes into like, because you're fascinated by it. Like, for example, my brother, as you know, loves wrestling, loves WWF and all that stuff. He is a super fan. Yeah. He shells out some dough. He does for just to buy old VHS tapes (laughs) of rare matches. Uh, So like, for example, if I have a question for him remotely wrestling related, he is so ecstatic and is so ready to spring for an answer. And he'll just over explain and like branch off and talk because he just wants to talk about it. 
yeah. and share information and just be around the material. And I think that's probably what it is for you, too, because yeah. you know it, you like it, you're interested in it, and you want to share it. I've noticed, too, since I'm, like, dating now, my fatal flaw, I think, is that I'm, a, like, a fixer. I can't help but be, like, drawn to people that need help in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I feel like it's a good thing because I get really happy when I can help somebody or, like, yes. I'm pushing somebody to, like, be better or succeed. And I just want to be, like, the person that's, like, you can do it. What you, mean? you know, just, like, put your mind to it and you can do anything you want to do. I'm like that in relationships. My mom keeps on calling me out over it. She's, like... Why, why are you bringing home these wounded animals? Because the thing is, it's like, for me, it like feels so good to help people that like I'm drawn to people that need my help. But like I shouldn't be with people that need my help, probably. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like it's a weird thing because like I just want to help everybody. But like. I think a lot of people are like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are quote unquote fixers because I think that it gives them something to do. Yeah. They need something to do because they're people that can get bored easily. Um, or just looking for the next task to work on. How are you calling me out like this? <laughs> this, is com- this is completely uh, uh, subjective, obviously, this opinion. But I think there might be some projection involved. Like the Beatles, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of mindset where you're like, I want this, so I'm going to throw this out into the world. I feel like that is pretty accurate. Do you, Are you like a believer in the 16 personality thing? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think so, too. And I was reading mine. Um, we'll describe it for the... Right. So the 16 personalities is the Meyer-Briggs test. Pretty elaborate. It's pretty elaborate. They'll see if you're introverted versus extroverted, perceiving versus judging, if you're sensing or intuitive. It's like logical or... Logical or feeling, feeling. I think. And I'm an INFJ, which means I'm intuitive. What's N mean? Narcoleptic. No. No, I'm introverted, intuitive, feeling, and judging. I was reading on it because I was curious. And so I was like looking into mine and it says, in relationships, I really crave people who will like um, give attention, but also give me what I give them. So I, I don't know. I really try to just like make people feel comfortable, but I also want that of the person I'm with. Exactly. And it was like one of those, ah. Oh, yeah. You can me. go to the 16 personalities. Just type that into Google or like mm. 16personalities.com. Or Myers-Briggs, yeah. But super interesting. I recommend it. I th- yeah. I got. I think you're an INFP. Yeah, INFP. You're an INFJ? Yeah. So the difference is that mine is perceiving, yours is judging. Other than that. It's the same branch. Right. Like the difference is, is that you're very um, looking for the better thing. And I'm more of... You're assessing the threat. I kind of assess everything and I have like an opinion and I'm not so ready to like budge because I've already evaluated all my options. I think you can see it in the podcast because like there'll be a subject, a person, a topic will emerge in conversation and you'll go like, oh my God, I hate that. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't I'm like, no, it's bad or it's good. Yep, exactly. Mm, That's it. And then my issue is that I can't see anything as super bad or super good, which is its own problem. Right. It's it's either one thing or it's the other thing. Yeah. Except when it comes to like people. I'm very gray area with people. I don't know if that makes sense. But like when it comes to opinions on things, it's one or the other. Because things can be objective. Mm -hmm. You know, they can. People really can't. People, you got to look through several lenses, I think. No one's an angel and no one's a devil. Exactly. Decisions people make aren't good or bad or mm-hmm. right or wrong. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on a whole lot of motivations and, you know, there's like a whole lot of factors yeah. and shit. So going back to what you're talking about with relationships, and I may or may not be speaking from experience. I don't want to 
you know, whatever. Lay but it on me. I, I think what just to be weary of is that like you're looking for someone that you can help, someone that you can support and be supported by. The problem is, yeah, your ideal person would be someone who needs that support and is willing to give it back, but you'll most likely be found by people who just want what you're giving. Exactly, yeah. And that's all they need, and that's that's as deep as they think is how much love they're getting. Uh, (laughs) Calling ourselves out. Yeah, yeah, essentially. (laughs) So what happens the day that you're not feeling so good and you can't give so much love? Exactly. I think my main thing that I want is just somebody who cares. I have that like need to be loved. I'm extremely picky about who I like and what I like and what I think is acceptable and what isn't. But like I also just have this intense desire of somebody just to like me and for Mm -hmm. me to like them. Totally. That's weird. I don't know how to... Oh, no, I totally understand that. Like, just first of all, for connection, I think everyone can relate yeah. to that. I think that's the one thing that binds most non-sociopaths together <laughs> is that we just... Everyone's just looking for connection. Think back to when you're sad or when you're uh, significantly depressed. I know that depression is clinical, but it's typically when you feel alone, when you yeah. feel ostracized or wrong in some way or judged in some way. And it's because you don't have a connection that you can reach out for. Even literal connections to pull you out of certain places. We all need those. Right. Please, somebody love me. But life doesn't suck all the time. Life doesn't suck most of the time. I mean, obviously, that's all perspective and an yeah. advantage, disadvantage. Because if you're born into poverty-stricken country, then maybe life isn't right. so good. But that's another thing you can't do that I learned is you can't always compare things. Yeah, that's I'm true. I'm constantly comparing every good thing and bad thing. If things are going good, I'm like, well, hold on. I'm privileged. Yeah. People have it worse. I shouldn't be happy. And then if I'm sad, I'm like, hey, people have it worse. I don't deserve to be sad. And then all of a sudden you just don't deserve anything and you're just a bunch of mumbo jumbo rolling around through space. I'm going to be dead in 70 years. <laughs> Not even. 60 years. I'm a lot like that too. I'm at the place now where like I'm happy, so I try and make other people happy too. Yeah. I'm trying to project. Yeah, I've had to teach myself to be happier. It's hard. It, it's it hard. is weirdly hard. Yeah. It is. But I know this is like such a me thing to do, but I read articles. Shocker. <laughs> Become an optimistic person. And I was really tired of just being upset. And then I practiced thinking like good things too. It's like how they say with exercise, it's all about discipline. Not that I would know anything about exercise because I lack that kind of discipline. (laughs) Um, But anything remotely about being healthy in any way Mm -hmm. is about discipline. Like you said, you practice being more optimistic. Right. You just got to practice things. When I'm about to eat some junk food, I'll be like, hold on. (laughs) Let's not right now. Yeah. And it sucks right now. But then over time, I'll be like, yeah, I can just I should just not do that. And I should just be healthier. And so like it like it's good to be disciplined, but I also feel like there's discipline to a fault, which oh, is like sure. kind of like where I'm at in my life because <laughs> I'm so like I can't quit anything. Right. Like I have to see things through. And yeah. there's definitely a point where you just have to quit things like relationships where somebody is kind of like a shitty friend or, you know, like a shitty person. And I had a really shitty job for a long time because I was like, there's some plus tides to it. Like, yeah. I just need to I need to I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just need to be patient. Yeah, for you sure. You know, it'll be fine. And then it's like, you know what? Nothing's changing. Yep. You know, you need to like see that sometimes. So if you're that person. Sometimes if you can't stop looking at the doorway, you should walk through it. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. Speaking of relationships, uh, I think we've got we got some Tinderellas to show, don't we? Yes, and this is this will be the first time I'm participating. Uh, it's always been one-sided until now. Tinderella? Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? So, are you ever on Tinder? 
and you think to yourself, wow, this person makes me sick to my stomach <laughs> because I do on a daily basis. <laughs> what we did to find more interesting Tinderellas is we, we upped the age on yeah. our Tinder radar. Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at people guy, above 30, right? Yes. <laughs> says in his bio, disappointed sexually, dissatisfied, feeling anxious, antsy, Allow me to stimulate you intellectually while I explore your body affectionately, as it should be every time. This session will be all about you. With you being so precious and fine, the impression will be it is true. Come out and play. NSA. Sexual healing. Feelings? No. The bloodhound gang said it best. We ain't nothing but mammals. Be sexy and clean and able to show it. Parentheses, test results. (laughs) I will reciprocate. <laughs> Did that turn into a poem halfway through? At one point, he started rhyming, and I lost it. Oh, my. Man, that man's a poet. There's no way anyone took the time to read all of that except for oh, you. Oh, God. <laughs> I got progressively more nauseous as <laughs> yeah. it went on. I was just like, oh, my God. It's not, he's not done yet? He just, yeah, I- he gets. <laughs> He starts it off like a medical infomercial. It's I like, know. do you have diarrhea? You How can- about my balls? <laughs> It's like I will treat you for twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I was waiting for oh, a price. Honestly, here. I was waiting for a price. I think I have a very similar one to you, and and I think a good partner for. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, her job is music at self. Somebody had to educate her on music. Yeah, that's true. It goes. I'm a Taurus. I'm a belover in all facilities. <sighs> I'd like to trat like a woman, not a freaky baby. Trust me, boo. <laughs> I like so read the, to, read I, the sentence again. Yeah, okay. I'm a belover in all facilities. <laughs> I'd like to be trat like a woman, not a freaky baby. Trust me, boo. <laughs> uh, there is an exclamation point at the end of that. No. <laughs> and then she caps it off by saying, 420 friendly, and I'm just looking for a true friend. Oh, no. Where have you been all my life? I know. Um... So we got a question. Oh, really? We, we got a two, two-part two well, question. Actually, I knew this, but yeah, that's right. We did get a question. We have a question, and it's science. So I'm going to do my science corner. Oh, I thought I, I thought I smelled a lab set burning. Hey, science is cool, and today we are cool. Thanks, Kent, for this. Let me bring up what was actually said so I can quote it. So Kent asks... What is EPO blood doping and how does it work from a science standpoint to enhance your endurance? I'm a runner and I, you know, looked into stuff like that. Yeah, you dope all the time. I blood dope all the time. And the second question he asked is massage therapy, working out the toxins in your muscles. How does that work and what are the toxins? So blood doping for all you lovely listeners out there. All you idiots out there. Basically what happens... um, when when an athlete says, I want to go fast, but I physically can't. Right. So basically, they increase the amount of hemoglobin in their bloodstream. Hemoglobin, if you don't know, is an oxygen-carrying protein in the blood. If you're increasing hemoglobin in red blood cells, then you have higher amounts of oxygen that is able to reach your muscles. So when you have more oxygen for your muscles, you're able to do exercises for longer. I'm going to tell you about how people blood dope. Ooh, yeah, tell me. If you ever want to blood dope, uh, you can, but it's also illegal. So if you're a professional athlete listening to this, what are you doing? Um, stop. So you can get transfusions. 
and people can either donate their own blood and then it's stored and then they have it pumped back into them before an activity or they get transfusions from people with the same blood type or you can get injections of EPO, which is erythropoietin, or you can get injections of synthetic oxygen carriers. So EPO uh, is a hormone that's produced by the kidney, and it's used to regulate production of red blood cells, which carries your oxygen to your muscles and all other good stuff. So it's really only used for specific purposes. EPO is used for patients who are anemic and have kidney disease, but some athletes use it in order to get more oxygen to their muscles so they'll have like an edge in competitions like cycling and uh, long distance running. It sounds kind of cool, I'll be honest. It sounds kind of cool. I would totally do it. Uh, it I kind of want to try it, yeah. Yeah, there's not like a whole lot of risks. I mean, don't do it. And Lance Armstrong won like a ton of Tour de France's. And if you guys aren't familiar, he is like a really well-known cyclist. And everyone said, you know, he's so good. He has to be doing drugs or, you know, doing something. And he denied it for a really, really long time. Everyone's like, he's just that good. You know, he doesn't need that stuff. Uh, Well, it turns out he does. He did steroids and in addition to that also did EPO blood doping. But I feel like blood doping would be harder to detect, right? Well, yeah, because it's just like blood. That's why I think it's so genius. It's really kind of like the perfect crime. Yeah. And that's why they think most <laughs> athletes kind of... How into do. it we are. Like, it's kind of <laughs> awesome. I would love to do it. Oh, I would love to blood dope. Yeah. Um, basically, how it works is with the extra oxygen... It increases aerobic capacity with aerobic metabolism, essentially uses oxygen to go through glycolysis and it produces glucose, which is used for energy and it produces ATP, which you use. ATP is your energy. Um, That's what supplies your body. All that potential. All that potential. But when you run out of oxygen, it turns to anaerobic metabolism and that causes a lot of waste products that can build up in your tissues and your body, when it reaches a certain threshold of waste, it's like, hold on, we need to stop for a little bit and you need to take a breath. You know, we need some oxygen because we can't keep doing this anaerobic shit or you're going to die. And that's kind of where it leads to a lot of like cramping and burning in your muscles is because you're getting too many waste products from the anaerobic metabolism. But if you are somebody who's taking EPO or doing blood transfusions and you had more oxygen available, you wouldn't have to slow down or you wouldn't have to take those breaks because you can do those activities for longer. Because you have more red blood cells that are carrying oxygen. Exactly. Yeah. But the downsides to doing blood doping is that you can get too many red blood cells. They can kind of clump together and get really sludgy and it can cause things like strokes and heart attacks. So I mean, if you think about it, if you have a nice highway with one truck, it's probably not going to get in a car crash. But if you have 50 trucks on a highway and you're all going super fast and you have a lot of shit to deliver, you know, some accidents are going to happen. Here's the best metaphor for blood doping and why it's so unfair. Imagine that you are taking part in an erection contest, right? right? Yeah. I mean, we've I think we've all seen those on ESPN, probably seen flyers at your local supermarket. Hey, come on down to the erection contest. You might stop by and see one or you might have the luxury of competing in one like I have. This requires probably the, the utmost disciplined athletes. You have to ma- get an erection and then maintain it longer than the other contestants. Now, imagine if you were taking Viagra. You don't need to keep yourself hard. You can just relax. But the other guys are sweating, trying to think of boobs and stuff. I forgot this is a metaphor. (laughs) I thought you were giving a hypothetical situation. (laughs) 
So remember the erection contest and think, would it be fair? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't the judges? And the judges are super specific at erection contests. They're going to make sure that you're not on Viagra. But if you were, you'd be a shoe in to win. Perfect metaphor. So on a kind of related note, massage therapy also for athletes. Uh, hey Kent, massage therapy does not detox. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got the we nod could... of approval from Kaylee. Yeah. So massage therapy, they found in like a lot of studies in the last few years, is that it really does help athletes. Athletes, they found it can improve performance, reduce pain, prevent injury, and encourage focus and shorten recovery time. So it happens from a mechanical response from the pressure and movement and a reflex response where the nerves respond to the stimulation of the massage. And that's kind of what helps make your body feel better after massage. Massages affect the cardiovascular system because they dilate blood vessels, which help to promote circulation. So it does help with a lot of things, but a very common misconception is that it releases toxins, and the main one that people talk about is lactic acid. And I didn't know this, and I probably would have gone my whole life saying lactic acid is bad if I hadn't read this article and stuff. So we explained earlier that aerobic metabolism happens when you have oxygen available, but... When you get to that point where you got no more oxygen and you still need energy, you go to anaerobic and you get lactic acid as a byproduct, which accumulates in your muscles with high intensity and long distance like running and swimming and all that jazz. So this buildup of lactate in your muscles can lead to the fatigue and I need to replenish my oxygen supply kind of feeling. It's like when you're going through anaerobic metabolism, ATP is made and a hydrogen ion is given off. I don't know if you know this, but hydrogen's are positive. They got one positive charge to it. So when you got a whole lot of hydrogens in your blood, your blood becomes positive and you got a lower blood pH, which leads to acidosis. And that causes the burning feeling you have in your muscles. Scientists had this misconception because they associated the buildup of lactic acid in your muscles to the burning. It's actually just because of good old hydrogen and acidosis. Whoa. Lactate, they actually found, acts as a buffer to increase the pH and get it back into the normal range so you no longer have that burning sensation. This is why the human body is so insane. Muscles can produce lactate and then nipples can lactate. Thank you very much. But to sum it up, massaging does help with a lot of things, but it doesn't help to work out toxins. Most commonly, the misconception is lactic acid actually isn't bad for you. What is really bad is that you don't have enough oxygen and your body is struggling. So take your breaks when you need them. So you go to massage therapy to de-stress, but not necessarily detox. Yeah. So now it's all on you. I got no more topics to discuss. Speaking of blood doping, there definitely has been cases where human growth hormones and steroids have been used to sort of experiment on uh, like what a person can and cannot do, you know, like there is that experimentation. And so what I want to talk about related to that is unethical human experimentation. Let's jump into my spook squad. Uh, ooh, 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 a spook squad. So the, I want to talk about MK Ultra. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. MK Ultra. MK Ultra sounds like an anime. <laughs> okay, what did I say about mentioning anime? <laughs> so MK Ultra it was a sort of top secret government project that was around from I believe the fifties through the seventies, and essentially what it dealt with was mind control oh. and using psychedelics as instruments in brainwashing. Okay, as well as some other 
freaky stuff. So before I jump into that, I just want to talk about a very interesting and disturbing topic Mm -hmm. beforehand, which is related to this, which is unethical human experimentation. Oh, that's a broad topic. It's a broad topic and it's a dark topic. Broad and dark. Broad and dark, just like my men. (laughs) So having talked about like athletic doping, humans have always been fascinated by the physical and psychological um, boundaries of the the human physique, of the human body. We often ask the question, what are we made of? How do we work? Who are we? Who can we become? So if you throw into that equation tribalism, war, power, anger, fear, you start to get what we typically see as unethical human experimentation. In my opinion, a lot of human experimentation is rooted in apathy. It's this weird disassociation between the experimenter and the experimentee. Um, So the most notable, I think, people that are sort of famous in the West, at least, for unethical experimentation are the Nazis. Nazi stuff is freaky. Obviously, in World War II, there were concentration camps where Jewish civilians were imprisoned. And from a sick, twisted scientist's perspective, I'm sure they saw that as a cage full of guinea pigs. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, that's what they did. They're all going to die anyway, so might as well get some benefit out of it, I'm sure was their thinking. At camps such as Auschwitz, inmates were subjected to hazardous experiments designed to help German military personnel in combat situations, to develop new weapons and methods of torture, as well as to advance the Nazi Nazi race ideology. A really significant experiments that happened in like, for example, Auschwitz. Like, have you heard of Joseph Mengele? No. Joseph Mengele, sometimes referred to as Dr. Death, sometimes the Angel of Death. Oh, okay. I've heard those terms. He was a German SS officer and physician at Auschwitz. He was part of of the team of doctors that would examine people as they entered the camps and decided whether or not they were healthy enough for labor. Okay. And And if they weren't. And if they weren't, they just immediately were sent to get killed. So initially, Mengele was a battalion medical officer at the start of World War II, but later he was transferred to Auschwitz, where he saw a great opportunity to conduct some disturbing experiments, namely on twins. Yeah. He was obsessed with the idea of twins. Mm Mm-hmm. Experiments on uh, child twins occurred in concentration camps, specifically Auschwitz. It was to study genetic similarities and differences between twins, as well as to see if if the human body can be unnaturally manipulated. For example, they would injure one twin to see if the other twin felt it. So Mengele's twin experiments occurred from 1943 to 1944 on over 1,500 sets of imprisoned twins. And only about 200 individuals survived these studies. Holy shit. Not sets of twins, just individuals. So there's 3,000 kids that were experimented on. And about 200 survived. So the experiments included, one interesting one was injecting dye into the eyes, into the irises. Okay. To see if it would change the color of the other twins' irises. Oh, yeah. To me, it's so stupid. Why would that? But I mean, if you think about it, one twin feels pain. When the other one's being injured, it's like, are they transferring That's true. stuff? Yeah. You know? Another one was sewing together the twins to recreate a conjoined twin. Gross. And these were twins that were born non-conjoined, but they would sew them together to create conjoined twins. Why? I don't know. They're bored. I think this is really disturbing and unnecessary. If you could describe the Nazi party, it would be disturbing and unnecessary. Yes. Um, so if one twin died in an experiment, the... Uh, other twin would immediately be brought in and uh, killed as well. And then they would examine the body side by side and see if any change was made. Good Lord. Yeah. So on top of twin experiments in camps across Nazi Europe, there was a different kinds of experiments. I'll just run through a few. 
bone, muscle, and nerve transplant experiments. This occurred at the Ravensbrück camp, September 1942 to December 1943. Prisoners underwent participation in the heaviest air quotes I can find. Uh, in a study of bone, muscle, and nerve regeneration and bone transplants. So sections of bones, muscles, and nerves were removed from subjects without anesthetic. Mm. Uh, Many victims suffered immense pain, disfigurement, and permanent disability. To test the effectiveness of new drugs being developed for use in battle, prisoners had bacteria injected into their bone marrow. (sighs) Again, without anesthetic. Yeah, bone marrow injections are extremely painful. So there was, this one really bothers me. This one seems very unnecessary. Head injury experiments. I only found one example of this, and the details were sort of sketchy. But um, in a Nazi-occupied Poland, 1942, in a town called Baranowitz. Yeah, that sounds right. Or Baranowitz. That sounds more right. In a building behind the private residence of an SS officer, uh, it is reported that a young boy, roughly ages 11 to 12, just a specific young boy, yes. was strapped to a chair so that he could not move. And above his head was a mechanized hammer that would drop onto his head every few seconds to report on the damage with each blow. God. I don't know how many days this occurred for it, but reportedly the boy eventually went insane from it. And I assume died. Here's a, a long list of experiments that I'm just going to say the name of and you can associate with it whatever you want. Okay. Freezing experiments. So we stick them in a freezer? Yeah, it was to see... Uh, Preventing and treating hypothermia. They would just hmm. deep freeze people. Okay. Uh, malaria experiments. They would have mosquitoes bite them to s- figure out a cure for malaria. Correct. Uh, 1,200 healthy prisoners were infected. Half of them died. Immunization experiments. They would give them various bacteria <laughs> yep. to try and they make infected, them immune. They infected them with typhus, tuberculosis, yellow fever, hepatitis, and jaundice. Hmm. Mustard gas experiments to test treatment of mustard gas burns. Okay. Seawater experiments try and make them breathe underwater that would be a cool experiment but no (laughs) this was to see um if they could make seawater drinkable oh okay um so subjects were allowed to consume only salt water only seawater the salt water just makes you thirsty right and they found certain prisoners on the ground licking up the water from the mop they used to mop the floors that's how thirsty they were for actual fresh water so poison experiments, obviously they're poisoned. Incendiary bomb experiments. You guys are just getting lazy now, okay? You can't uh, just throw a bomb at people and say it's an experiment. Uh, it's just like so... Unnecessary. It's like when a middle schooler gets a GTA for the first time and they're like, how do I kill as many people as possible yeah. in the most ridiculous yeah. ways? And you're just watching. You're like, can you just like stick to the quest right now? Right. And they're like, no, I want to run over all these yeah. people. Why? I, I just do. I just want to, I just want that unbridled power. So this one I thought was really crazy. It's called the high altitude experiments. They like push them off buildings. No, you're confusing that with the very popular pushing off building experiments. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, so in the high altitude experiments, a low pressure chamber containing several prisoners was used to simulate conditions of up to sixty six thousand feet altitude. Most of them died immediately. Yeah. And it's rumored that the few that did survive it were immediately killed and their brains underwent vivisection for the doctor to just look at their noodle. Anyways, August 19th, 1947, Nazi doctors that were captured by Allied forces were put on trial for their crimes against humanity. It's known as uh, USA versus Carl Brandt or more commonly referred to as the doctor's trial. I think that for all that 
experimentation, they didn't even learn that much. Right. Because experiments were mainly just cruel and unusual. Mm -hmm. Writer Frederick Pohl said of the Nazi experiments, quote, it was not science and it was not medicine. So um, on a similar note to that, though, which I could have gone into on this, but I feel like I was giving you guys enough of disturbing information. The Imperial Japanese Army had what they called Unit 731 that conducted similar brutal experiments, in some mm -hmm. cases more brutal. Anyways, but the thing about that one, um, the results from Unit 731 were kept classified by the U.S. until a majority of the doctors involved were given pardons mm -hmm. because the U.S. found that information that they gathered from the experiments were actually useful. Uh, which you don't think of because you want to say, oh, the Nazis did it because they're bad guys. The, you know, yeah. all the Axis powers did it because they're bad guys. Uh, no, because guess what? The U.S. partook in similar experiments. For example, MK Ultra, which is probably one of the more talked about U.S. government slash CIA creepy experiments. So in 1953, the CIA established a program concerned with interrogation and mind control. It was called MK Ultra. MKUltra was formed following then-CIA director Alan Duell's complaint that he lacked enough, quote, human guinea pigs to try these extraordinary techniques out on. He was, of course, referring to interrogation and torture and mind control. Of course. So MKUltra received over $25 million in funding by the U.S. government. So $25 Where? million dollars in 1953 was a fortune. Where at? Uh, involved in hundreds of experiments in 80 different institutions. So it was sort of all over the place. Just to give you like the scope of kind of like the darkness of this, this is, comes from an internal CIA memo written by Richard Helms, pretty much the mission statement of MKUltra. Quote, We intend to investigate the development of a chemical material which causes a reversible, non-toxic, aberrant mental state, the specific nature of which can be reasonably well predicted for each individual. This material could potentially aid in discrediting individuals eliciting information, and implanting suggestions in other forms of mental control. That was their mission statement. Sounds like Scientology. Yep, and the government was like, we love it. Mm. That was, what, Cold War time, probably? This is probably around the time of the Red Scare, maybe a little bit after. What's that? The Red Scare is yeah. in the 50s, like McCarthyism. Oh, okay. Senator McCarthy was like, everybody's a communist, and the government right. was like, hell yeah, everybody's a communist. But then meanwhile, they're trying to find ways to do mind control, which is like the main thing they thought about communism. So there's a lot of sub-projects to MKUltra. For example, Project QK Hilltop studied Chinese brainwashing techniques, developed interrogation methods in partnership with Cornell University Medical School. This like sub-project studied the effects of threats, coercion, imprisonment, deprivation, humiliation, torture, brainwashing, black psychiatry, and hypnosis. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah, sounds like it'd be fun to be a student at that time. There's also Operation Midnight Climax, which I love, <laughs> uh, consisting of a bunch of CIA-ran safe houses. Okay, there's two I know of in San Francisco, and one was in New York. These safe houses were established to study the effects of LSD on unconsenting individuals. Yeah, they still think, like, nowadays that LSD has all this, like, hidden Yeah, it's. Power. I know. I know for a fact it's getting... Some serious traction in like medical science yeah. community that LSD is, can be used to treat PTSD pretty yeah. effectively. Yeah. So um, for Midnight Climax, Operation Midnight Climax, prostitutes would lure unsuspecting men to said safe houses where they were drugged with LSD and observed via a one-way glass. Ooh. And so they would just watch these guys for hours as they freaked out. Um, one that I find the most disturbing. In 1957, there was what was called Subproject 68 where Donald Ewan Cameron uh, of the Alum Memorial Institute of Montreal, Quebec, experimented on what he called deep pattern. 
depatterning people, which included erasing their minds and memories, reducing them to the mental state of an infant, then rebuilding their personality in whatever way he saw fit. To achieve this, Cameron put patients in a drug-induced coma for up to 88 days applying numerous high-voltage electrical shocks to them over the course of weeks or months, often administering up to 360 shocks per person. I love how you, like, chuckle while you're saying it. It's so, like, can, ah. like that's such a disturbing possibility. Like, it's so idea. weird to think about. And this was back in, like, the 50s when we were all like, yeah, the 50s were a simpler time. Right, you just baked Salt apple pies and, yeah. you know... Yep. So while this was happening, typically the patient wore a blacked-out football helmet which was made for sensory deprivation. And inside were speakers. And um, Donald Cameron would repeatedly play recorded statements, an example of which are, you are a good wife and mother and people enjoy your company. And that would be played 16 to 20 hours in a row for weeks at a time. Holy while this person was stuck with the helmet on. Cow. Can you imagine that? That's dark. That's Literally. dark. Yeah. So um, this is where it gets disgusting mm, okay several children experimented on by cameron were sexually abused by them or were they in like in the past in general by them oh i don't believe by cameron himself but cameron allowed it to happen so in at least one case by several men at a time <sighs> one child was filmed numerous times performing sexual acts with high-ranking government officials in a scheme hatched by cameron and other mk ultra researchers to blackmail officials to secure future funding for MKUltra. God. Yeah. That's like the extent. There's there's other sub-projects, but I think those three were the most disturbing. So MKUltra was shut down in 1973 after... Um, this seems so late. Yeah. I mean, that's 20 years, over oh, 20 why years. Do, why do people not know about this? Well, they know about it now. They, it, it was just released well, I mean, in... That's what I mean. Like, how do, pe- how do not more people know about this now? And well, they're like, what the fuck? You have to kind of go looking for it. I know online it's it's huge. Typically, it's talked about by conspiracy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they kind of taint the water. But I mean, yeah. this, this is real stuff. You can find this on CIA's website. And they okay. talk about it openly now. They shut down in 1973 after emerging fears internally that it would eventually get leaked to the public, which eventually the documents redacted or not were released. But as of 2007, not a single U.S. government researcher has been prosecuted for the human experiments of MKUltra. Gross. Go to sleep tonight with that in your brain. Because, like, why would we? America loves keeping sickos in high positions. Yeah, those Nazis were scum of the earth. Ugh. I mean, they were, but we're not so different, apparently. Ugh. So that was a definitely more cerebral spook squad. Yeah, um, I like it, though. Uh, gets under your skin and is disturbing. Um, so what are we talk about today, Jeremy? Oh, God, we're going to leave off on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you know what? Hold on. I can add something really short real quick to ease the tension of this ending. Okay. Going back a little bit to Halloween and banking off of the spook squad, I read an article. Did you hear about that woman who had sex with like 30 ghosts? Yes. And she's like marrying one now. Yeah. So there's a woman in, I believe it's England. Yeah. England, I think. Yeah. Okay. Sex with 20 ghosts. My apologies. This is from the New York Post. The headline is, woman who had sex with 20 ghosts is now engaged to a spirit. And she seems absolutely insane. Um, yeah. So in December, Amethyst Realm... She probably gave herself that name. Anyways, in December, Amethyst Realm told the British TV show ITV This Morning that she cheated on her fiancé with a ghost and has since gone on to have supernatural affairs with at least 20 paranormal beings. You know, 
And I wrote a paper on Satanism before. And one of the big things in it was like witchcraft and, you know, stuff like that. But men would, I assume women too, but it was mainly a focus on men, would summon demons and like demonesses Mm -hmm. to have sex with them. And there was different kinds of like demons that you could summon for different aspects of what you wanted like fulfilled. Different kinks like blonde. Right. Yeah. Pigtails. The thing was, is that they were like very protective. That's what they like really stressed on the website. If you summon one, you have to be committed because they're very protective and they will kill whoever you sleep with after you summon this demon. Wow. I should try that. For all you singles out there. Summon a demon. Yeah. Why not try it? Take a look at the Black Book of Satanism. There's hot demons in your area. (laughs) (laughs) So what did we talk about, Kaylee? All right. Well, we talked about Halloween. We went over some nice Tinder singles. If you're looking for any other deets, uh... Don't, maybe. Uh, we talked about doping. some blood doping, some massage therapy. We talked about toxins, a lot of science. A lot, a, of lot good, of, a lot of good science today. Yeah, a lot, of good, a lot of good science and a lot of Nazi talk. A lot of Nazi talk, a lot of psychedelic LSD um, crimes against humanity. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, thank you again, Kent, for sending us some questions and topics. If you guys want us to talk about something or you want us to answer a question, you can email us at accordingtoanidiot at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Idiots Accord, or you can message us on Instagram, according to an idiot. Thank you guys for listening, and if this one doesn't get 250 listens, I'll be very upset. Yep. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. I'll also leave reviews on iTunes.